Welcome to Unspoken Secrets. My name is Penny Wesley, and each week I will be discussing different situations that causes trauma in our lives. I will have guests who will speak on their own traumas and counselors who will advise us on how we all can move past our unspoken secrets. So let's begin. The door is open. Kings and Queens, happy Black History Month. Well, this is the last week of me supporting and representing our Black History Month. No, I'm not going to say support the last of it because I'm always going to support Black History. So let me recap that. Tonight, I'm playing Martin Luther King's Blueprint and part of his letter from the Birmingham jail. So because... I felt like this would be the best way to close out the Black History Month show. It's because Martin Luther King said our blueprint. You know what your blueprint is, right? The structure of your foundation. So I pray, kings and queens, that you can look around and see that your foundation is strong. Your structure is tight. There's no leaks, no cracks. Because if your foundation is cracked, it starts to shift. And if there's a shift, it's not sturdy anymore. So please, kings and queens, if you have a shift in your foundation, fix it. Look over your blueprint. See where you fell off. See where you let yourself get off track by being distracted. But get your foundation. Get your blueprint back in order so kings and queens i bring you dr martin luther king his speech on the blueprint it is not just for high school students who were just graduating this is for everyone every african-american man woman child in this world please family fathers and mothers we have to make sure our children are well structured please
enthusiastic group of students here at Barrett. I guess I ought to start out with a commercial, and that is uh, tonight we're going to have a great night in the city of Philadelphia at the Spectrum. Now, I know you've heard of that new impressive structure called the Spectrum. And I know you've heard of Harry Belafonte and Aretha Franklin and Nipsey Russell and Sidney Poitier and all of these other great and outstanding artists. Well, they're going to be here tonight at the Spectrum. And I hope that each of you will go home and tell your parents to be there tonight for this great freedom festival. And I hope you will come also, for it will be a great experience. And by coming, uh, you will be supporting uh, the work of the civil rights movement. Now that I've gotten the commercial out of the way, I'll move on and uh, say some things that I want to say very briefly. And I'm being very honest, I'm going to be brief because I have other engagements. I don't have a tradition of being brief all the time. You know, I'm a Baptist preacher. We can talk a long time. But I'm going to really be brief today. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what is in your life's blueprint? This is the most important crucial period of your lives for what you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine which way your life shall go. And whenever a building is constructed, you usually have an architect who draws a blueprint. And that blueprint serves as the pattern, as the guide, as the model for those who are to build the building. And a building is not well erected without a good, sound, and solid blueprint. Now, each of you is in the process of building the structure of your lives. And the question is whether you have a proper, a solid, and a sound blueprint. And I want to suggest some of the things that should be in your life's blueprint. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodyness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. 
talk about. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Now that means that you should not be ashamed of your color. You know, it's very unfortunate that in so many instances, our society has placed a stigma on the Negro's color. And you know, there are some Negroes who are ashamed of themselves. Don't be ashamed of your color. Don't be ashamed of your
when you discover what you are going to be in life, set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. And just don't set out to do a good Negro job, but do a good job that anybody could do. Don't set out to be just a good Negro doctor, a good Negro lawyer, a good Negro school teacher, a good Negro preacher, a good Negro barber, a beautician, a good Negro skilled laborer. For if you set out to do that, you have already flunked your matriculation exam for entrance into the University of Integration. You set out to do a good job and do that job so well that the living, the dead, or the unborn couldn't do it any better. Gordon County, Georgia, and the arms of a mother who can neither read nor write. 
And so our slogan must not be burn, baby, burn. It must be
He responded to an open letter that appeared in the Birmingham News that same day. It was titled, A Call for Unity, and was signed by eight white clergymen. Their appeal made reference to outside leadership, calling the protests unwise and untimely. King wrote in the margins of that newspaper, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. He went on, Birmingham is probably the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States. Its ugly record of brutality is widely known. The sentiments King expressed in the letter had already made an impact on students who had committed themselves to civil rights activism throughout the Deep South. We were greatly influenced by Martin Luther King Jr. and the philosophy and the discipline of nonviolence. But we didn't like the, the tempo of change. We wanted to speed it up. On May 3rd, students re-energized the campaign. Some were in high school, others were even younger. The Birmingham campaign became known as the Children's Crusade. It was easy for a black student like myself in the South to say, well, if they can do it in Little Rock, they can do it in Montgomery, if they can stand up, we can stand up too. When Bull Connor ordered the police to disperse the protesters with dogs, it was clear this was a real battle, a violent confrontation. Firemen were ordered to use the full force of their hoses on the demonstrators. The local newspapers supported Bull Connor's response, blaming the chaos on the demonstrators. I really believe he thought somehow in some way that he would scare us. But he, he didn't understand the philosophy and the discipline of nonviolence. He didn't understand the spirit of the movement. Television and newspaper reports captured the brutality in Birmingham and showed it to the whole nation. Outside the region, it was shocking. It was horrifying. It was unacceptable. It brought the civil rights movement into people's homes with many American families watching the, the 6 o'clock news in such a way that it simply just couldn't be ignored. In just a week, the demonstrators' nonviolent response created a public outcry that Birmingham could not dismiss. On May 10th, symbols of segregation, like separate water fountains, became relics as city leaders signed the Birmingham Truce. In addition, a plan was agreed upon to desegregate lunch counters. This was the kind of meaningful negotiation Martin Luther King had called for in his letter. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I've heard the word, wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed is justice denied. These words had inspired citizens young and old to take direct action in the streets of Birmingham. The letter was soon published in newspapers and magazines, and its power was undeniable. King had 
gone to Birmingham to fight injustice. In the end, his most powerful weapon was the letter he wrote from the confines of a jail cell. Thank you for tuning in to Unspoken Secrets. Make sure to visit Anchor, iTunes, or platforms of podcasting. And while you're at it, remember to subscribe and tell a friend. I am your host, Penny Wesley. I am also a life coach. I am on mymentor.life. Kings and queens, keep your head up, your smile tight. I shall see you next Wednesday on Unspoken Secrets.